one, yeah, she's a lot more recent than you would think. But two, like, just consider, like, how long the Egyptian empire was a thing. We just watched the episode on the pyramids of Giza, and it's crazy. It's all for one dude. <laughs> just one dude has this whole, oh, God. Seven Wonders is also on the list of things to, to talk about, even though. Oh, yeah. That talk about a good episode. One. Yeah. Um, well, it will. Have- Hello and welcome to Afternoon. If I this is a mini, I will have already talked about one of them. Uh, pri- well, I guess it would be the episode prior to this, but in the future for you, because we run on a Doctor Who timeline here at Afternoon. If I'd headquarters, <laughs> look, we have to warm up for our full episodes. That's what the minis are for. The minis are basically the opener, so we are the bicycle riding chimps that opened for the Beatles, but we're also the Beatles. Was that actually a real thing that happened? Is it? I, I don't know. It, you just sounded so sure when you made that reference. Bike riding chimps. Beatles. Uh, yeah, they came before them on the... Hold Ed on. Sullivan show? Yeah. I feel like it, I, I heard about this from a Patton Oswalt joke. Nope. No, it was from Friends. It was a f- joke from Friends. <laughs> Phoebe said it. That is a deep pull. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So... This is the warm-up, and um, we're not talking about chimps. Oh, Jesus. Do you ever, like, <laughs> probably... <laughs> we are talking about Jesus. Okay. Uh, when you, you ever have that moment where you're, like, on your phone or on your computer, and then all of a sudden everything turns to night mode? <laughs> it's very it jarring. Off every time that just happened to me, which is why I, like, you know, took the Lord's name in vain. Wouldn't it be <laughs> buck wild to do an episode about Jesus, though? <laughs> Would that require us to read the Bible? Uh, I I don't have the energy to do an episode about Jesus. It could be whether or not Jesus is a historical figure. <laughs> that would I'm sure that would be very interesting. But like, no, thank you. Yeah, I don't think I have the capacity for what that would result in. Today we're talking about uh, the Jesus of the plant world. No, no, that was a bad segue. Uh, we are talking about plants, though. If ferns aren't the Jesus of the plant world, that's I know that was the joke. What is? Is it lilies? Um, I would say any plant, um, any perennials that you like plant in the ground that come up from bulbs, like tulips or like irises, because you know you you grow them for a season, and then at the end of the season, the flowers and the leaves die off, and you cut them down, and then in the next spring they <laughs> bloom again. <laughs> what? I'm right. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, it was, you just pulled that out really fast. Like you'd been thinking about it. It's just, it isn't obvious. The other day I used what in the name of the freshly risen Lord uh, as a, <laughs> as an exclamation, which is uh, one that only works on, only works on Easter. No, it's the Monday after Easter. I don't know what you call that day. <laughs> Ham Monday? Ham leftover Monday. <laughs> Ham leftover Monday. Yeah, that sounds about right. So ferns. Um, ferns. Great plant. Great plant. <laughs> Specifically, that time when the Victorians were just really into ferns, um, which there's actually a term for that. It's called pteridomania. It was so bad we came up with a name for it. We came up with a name for it. So pteridomania is a term coined in 1855 by author Charles Kingsley to describe a fad that was sweeping the nation of England. Uh <laughs> 
So a real TikTok situation. Your daughters, perhaps, he wrote, have been seized with a prevailing pterodomania and wrangling over unpronounceable names of species, which seem different in each new book that they buy. And yet you cannot deny that they find enjoyment in it and are more active, more cheerful, more self-forgetful over it than they would have been over novels and gossip, crochet and Berlin wool. Oh my God. So it wasn't just like, we're going to buy a lot of ferns and like do this. It's like they were Pokemon. Oh, like that's the. Oh boy, Emily. Yes. Yes. Ferns. Really. You, you really nailed it on the head there because they were basically Pokemon. Uh, and they were for most of the. <laughs> I have a box of leather leaves under my bed. So. <laughs> so actually for most of the Victorian era from like 1830 until well into the 1890s, people in Britain just were going absolutely nuts over ferns. Uh, specifically the collection and cultivation of ferns, though the fad later spilled over into like decorative art and design, which we'll get into a bit. Uh, but the fad itself began in 1829 when a British surgeon and explorer named Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward, very British name, uh, decided growing, London's, growing ferns in London was too hard. So he was going to raise moths. Don't ferns grow in like wet, mossy like climates? Yeah, but not in, like, London, where the smog is so bad that people die. Ah, okay. So this is more like a countryside thing. (laughs) Yeah. So while observing a chrysalis that he was keeping in a covered glass bottle, Ward noticed that there were ferns growing in the soil at the bottom of the jar. So forgetting the poor moth entirely, um, I picture him just, like, pulling it out of the jar and tossing it out, which is sad because I love moths, actually. Uh, So... (laughs) I know. Ward began to (laughs) experiment with the concept of tightly sealed glass cases and eventually invented uh, what he called the Wardian case, uh, which is basically like a proto-terrarium. I was going to say that's a terrarium. case, you shut it, yeah. But his was the first. It was before terrariums were a thing. Uh, So Wardian cases actually made it possible for many botanists to keep exotic plants alive in England, despite the country's, you know, generally unsuitable weather. And not just ferns. We're talking about, like, tropical plants of all kinds that you normally don't get the right kind of conditions for. Ferns are tropical? No, not necessarily, but, like, other... Okay, yeah. They were suitable for many different varieties of plants. So ferns at this time were already associated with fairies and magic, but only became popular after this guy named George Lottages, who was a London botanist, began to hype up fern collecting as a hobby that showed intelligence and improved your mental health uh claims which he probably made up and had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that he had just opened the world's largest hothouse no nothing absolutely nothing <laughs> lodge's claims were picked up and further popularized by his neighbor who was another botanist there's just botanists fucking everywhere, everywhere. In London at this time i guess uh edward newman and he published them in his book a history of british ferns <laughs> A bunch of nerds. So fern collecting soon became the most fashionable of Victorian hobbies. Amateur botanists began to flock to the English, English countryside in search of rare ferns or monstrosities, which are odd variants of wild species. So it is Pokemon. Okay. Yeah, it's Pokemon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Pokemon Go. Yeah. Most of the ferns native to England were in the western and northern parts of the country, which are regions that were finally becoming more accessible as like better roads and railroads are being built. And it kind of lent this whole endeavor a sense of adventure. And like, since ferns are only just beginning to be studied and cataloged in any sort of systematic way, like just about anybody had the opportunity to stumble upon a brand new, as of yet undiscovered species of fern. Hmm. Which would be pretty cool. I mean, I think, yeah. Yeah. So fern collecting was one of the few Victorian hobbies that could transcend class barriers. So like farmers were just as likely as aristocrats to be collectors. 
Uh, and many within the aristocracy itself actually encouraged the poor and mentally ill to uh, take up the hobby as a way to elevate themselves. Oh, okay. I mean, it is a free hobby. It's mostly free. Yeah. And like, and it's also like at the time, like people consider it an intellectual hobby. So if you collected friends, you're obviously someone of high intelligence. And also then, therefore, picking up the hobby would make you more intelligent, I think, was the transitive property of not, that. Not how that works, but okay. Victorians. <laughs> so fern designs at this time began to pop up in just about everything from dresses to tea sets. They were on tombstones and iron gates and chandeliers, and people would display live ferns just about everywhere they could, including the orchestra box at the London Prince of Wales Theater. Now, honestly, it's weird as shit, but I would say that, like, of all of the greeneries, ferns are one of my favorites. It honestly sounds really pretty. Like, I, you, you know me, I love plants. I do and, know like, you. that's kind of, like, the nice thing about having plants is just having a lot of greener, greenery in your living space really brightens it up and kind of gives it a more lush feel. It's just nice. Yes. Ferns are nice. So I get it. I'm I'm surprised it took off with so many people in such a big way, but like I get it. There wasn't a lot to do back then. No. And yeah, and here's the thing, it was especially popular among young women because botany was one of the few outdoor activities that were deemed proper for ladies. Um it was also one of the few activities they could partake in unchaperoned. Jesus. <laughs> Since friend collecting was seen as wholesome and healthy, so you didn't need anyone like being there to, you know, make sure you didn't have sex with people. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's what I do. Definitely every happened on fern collecting voyages. I'm sure that did. Uh, so a fern once collected could be pressed into albums to be put on display. Others collected whole plants. A fern once collected could be pressed into albums to be put on display while others collected whole plants, taking them home to grow indoors in, of course, a wardian case. Um, but ferns are not particularly easy to cultivate. Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of like a maiden hair fern? Uh, it sounds familiar. Yeah. They're, you can Google an image. They're very pretty, but they're also like super notorious among the plant community for being like the most finicky plants. Like if you don't give them the absolute perfect level of humidity and water, they will brown and die. <laughs> oh, those are pretty. Don't ferns have like a spore system? Like... Am I making that up? I don't know enough about... I don't think so. I think they're just like regular plants. They just have, you know, special leaf patterns. I don't know enough about the science of plants. Oh, nope. They are uh, spore-based. Interesting. Like I said, they're not super easy to cultivate, and there's also only 40 types of native ferns in Britain. So demand for rarer and more exotic specimens grew, and prices skyrocketed (laughs) as they do. Uh, so a single fern from South America or Asia at this time could fetch up to $1,000 in today's money. Uh, and then, of course, the theft of rare ferns became commonplace because you could get a really great price for them. Uh, unsurprisingly, the sheer fervor of fern collecting during this period led to a significant decline in the wild populations of the rare variety of ferns, and some were nearly wiped out altogether. Uh, conversely, though, the craze also created a lot of new species of ferns, but primarily like rare crossbreeds because people were shoving all di- all these kind of different species from all around the world in the same case. And they would okay, just you yeah. know, cross-pollinate and make new species of ferns. Fern collecting was not just dangerous for the plants at this time, uh, but for collectors. There was at least one, botani- one botanist, a man named William Williams, because why not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he fell from a cliff while trying to collect a rare fern no- known as Alpine Woodsia in Wales in 1861. 
Uh, but eventually, as all fads do, the craze itself declined alongside the Victorian age, um, though many still pe- many people, they like would keep going for and hunting all the way up until like the First World War, but it wasn't as big a thing. Um, eventually, orchids were kind of the new hot plant for everybody to have, but they never had the same kind of cultural impact the way the fern did. Like, you know, they weren't showing up on gravestones. Fair. But um, I am fairly certain that there is a Nicolas Cage movie about making a movie about Friends? a woman. No, uh, orchids. Well. It's a bad adaptation. Nicolas Cage, orchid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's No, it's about him trying to adapt a movie about orchids. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds exhausting. And he plays his own twin. Um, anyway. <laughs> Technically, he plays Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> that's a weird way to win this ep- end this episode. <laughs> Uh, but that's, I mean, that's Terridomania. So basically, the Victorians just got really, really into They were ferns. just super it, fucking into ferns. This is why it always... <laughs> it's just like, such a delightfully weird chapter of human history. Like, hey, remember that time? It's so simple and innocent. But yeah, I like it. Like, whenever the older folks are like, kids these days are into weird stuff. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's just, we change the weird stuff up every yeah. once in a while. We gotta cycle that shit out. Like, remember when everyone was doing fondue? Like, that was that was nice. Or, like, when we made everything that weird puke green. Avocado green, you mean? Puke green. Give it a nice name. It sounds better. 70s green. The house I grew up in was lime green. <laughs> Not even um, kidding. <laughs> we had a, a tent trailer from the, the late 70s, early 80s that was brown, yellow, and, like, had green and orange accents and... Damn. Boy, that's so 80s. I love it. Yeah, for all of you young people out there, I don't think you realize how brown how brown, yeah, the 80s and early 90s were. <laughs> like we started to pick it up a little in the 90s, but it wasn't all like Dayglow and Olivia Newton-John. It was brown, mostly brown. But of course, when you hit that nostalgia cycle, you only pick like the good stuff out. You don't take all the brown. I kind of like the weird brown vibe. Like I would never want to live in it, but if there's something comforting about it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, do you have a favorite kind of fern? Whatever fern that I put in my flower boxes every year. Those are some nice ferns. They really <laughs> fill it out and make it look really nice. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> Just a regular old fern. Doing ferns is one of my filler greens. They're yeah, they're nice for, for filling stuff out. Like I said, I have a box full of leather leaves under the bed. Preserved. <laughs> Not just decaying under my bed. I I would hope so. Anyways, that was that was very nice. It was very um cute. Sometimes it's okay to just talk about something nice and not you know <laughs> body parts of dead saints or skeletons Man. in closets. Boy, I've really had a theme the last couple episodes, haven't I? Know what happens? Uh, you just gotta roll. I think with it says it. a lot about me that the episode subjects I choose, but that's okay. Well, I mean, as a podcast, now we have to celebrate the ascension. It's a very Do important we? day. Mm-hmm. It's the leaving behind of Jesus's foreskin for us to find and treasure later. Do you not remember that? We did a whole bit. I do. Oh, no, I do. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, I, everybody. <laughs> goodbye. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.